what I'm about to say. Hey. I thought you were starting. Oh. <laughs> hey, this is Shelby. And this is Courtney. And thanks for joining us today on All Things Macabre. Here on All Things Macabre, we discuss all the things under the topic of odd, weird, true crime, supernatural, and fiction. This podcast contains language and content that is not suitable for all listeners, so listener discretion is advised. If you find a topic we are discussing interesting, we encourage you to do some research on your own. You never know what you may learn. We are just a couple of old friends telling each other stories that we find interesting. And hoping that you'll enjoy and laugh along with us. Through some stories that are weird, true, or fictional that will just make you say, what the fuck? And now, for the fun part. Hey, Macabre Mob, it's Shelby. And Courtney. How have you been doing this week? I'm tired. Very tired. That sounds so good. Yeah. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. <laughs> well, I'm tired too. <laughs> it's okay. I've been living in the country times anyway. Our power's been out for almost two days. I couldn't imagine. I mean, here when I first moved here, literally, no lie, every Thursday at 12 o'clock, the power went out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I don't understand. It was different excuses every time, but I was like, that's a little weird. That is a little Because they went on for like two, three months every Thursday at 12 o'clock. Yeah. I don't know what it was. Ours has just been out for two days straight. They've got the other side of the street working, but not my side of the street. Of course. So it's, you know, like rubbing it in our faces. <laughs> no, no, no business. My neighbor came out pissed as hell this morning. <laughs> and I was like, uh, you want to use my grill? <laughs> You can use my grill to cook your food. But, I mean, to be fair, we've got a lot of food going bad. We didn't go grocery shopping like we should have, so luckily we don't have a bunch of food in our fridge. Well, I was going to comment on that pizza that you had made on your grill. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jaden thought I was crazy, but, man, I threw a little pizza pan on that grill. It looked good. Put that frozen pizza on there. I left it in there for, like, 10, 15 minutes. I accidentally left it in there a little long. It was kind of crispy on the bottom. But it was, it was pretty good. Well, on the top, it looked good. I mean, it's not much different than, like, wood fire oven or something, I guess. You uh, have a, obtained a new skill. Yes. I can <laughs> cook a frozen pizza just about any way. What is that that they say on uh, Naked and Afraid? They assess them and they get a, was it a PSR? I think it's what I it's called. I don't know. I've barely seen that. My mom loves that show. That's all I I figured. <laughs> so... Today is going to be one of my stories. I haven't done a story since, shit, it's Lululemon? Yeah, Lululemon. So it's been a few episodes. I took over the Black History Month thing, though. Yeah, but I felt like I did something else. But Jesus, that was forever ago. Not, yeah, no, that's it. It's been a minute. Well, So I'm, I'm really glad you get to take over so I can sit back and relax. I was going to say, you get to take a break because I have not only one, but next week, you know, it'll be next yeah, week. You, one. Yeah, you've got... Because I have the two, next stories. two stories. Yeah. Because spoiler alert to everybody else, we're recording ahead of time, so 
So I'm trying to estimate when the next one will come and out. And I've been a slacker. <laughs> I didn't get my story done. But I haven't had power for a couple days. I was days. about to say your power went I out. I think it hit a cell phone tower, too, because I've got really shitty service right now. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, how do you feel? I, I just want to talk to you for a minute before we get into this. But you and I, prior to recording, you were talking about the severity of your safety, you know, just coming here. Oh yeah, making I was making jokes honestly, but, but yeah. Uh, so since my power's out, I traveled up to see her up in Tennessee, and uh, Tennessee they just passed a bill banning drag. It's kind of a fucked up thing. It's That's bullshit, uh, if you ask me. But. Very ambiguously worded. Yes. So um, yeah, I could actually be up here after July 1st and get arrested just for impersonating a male because of the clothes I wear. Of course, I don't know how it feels because I don't, I'm not affected by this personally, if that makes sense. But in terms of the people that I love and care for, you know, because I have family members, you know. Yeah. I mean, that this affects. would affect them. Everybody. And it's... To me, as an ally or someone, you know, like I said, who has friends and family, it breaks my heart. And I know there's, I mean, there is things that I can do, such as, you know, advocate and, you know, write letters to the legislators and, you know. Don't let this be another mistake. But, you know, on all terms, eventually, do they really listen to us? Uh, Well, if you have not heard about Stonewall back in 1969, you should probably check into Stonewall because it sounds like. The same thing's going to happen. It's just going to create a riot. Um, I'm not really too sure, but it's, it's a scary time. It is. It's kind of like history is repeating itself, unfortunately. It, it is repeating itself. Which I, I was telling Tina that I feel as bad as Mississippi back in the 50s. Right, which is what I was just about to say, was that, you know, we just finished doing this, you know, special for Black History Month, and now this. It's know, just another civil rights. This is, you know real time and like you said it's still a civil rights matter and it's it's, it's still it's ridiculous still showing that in america you're not important unless you're a straight white male i can't argue with that so make sure you stand up for what's right stand up for your colored people all colors not just black make sure you stand up for your gay people your trans people i mean I feel like this is going to end up increasing suicide rates in Tennessee because not knowing as a child that how you feel is okay, man, uh, I'm not even going to begin to touch on the shit I felt. I And Like I said, I didn't want to kind of get on a deep dive soapbox about that, but I just wanted to bring it up because it is current. And I think I may touch on it sometime, like a, a little bit of stonewall and stuff. Okay. I think it'd be something good to throw in. I just Maybe thought, closer to pride. Yes. Yeah, which is not that far away, really. No. But like I said, since we just talked about Black Lives Matter movement and everything, I thought it was relevant and important to bring this up as well. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about looking very masculine and throwing on a wig and some makeup and looking like a drag queen. And see if they arrest me for impersonating someone because they can't arrest me for impersonating a woman. Because you are a woman. <laughs> it just scares me for your safety. That's the only I'm thing. scared for my safety just being alive. Yes. 
It makes me really want to get out of this country. Be safe, everyone. It's not as bad as North Korea, though. North Korea, man. (laughs) Okay, we are not here for political (laughs) stuff. We are here for true crime-related things, Oh, that ain't even political, man. (laughs) I've just been seeing North Korea. That's some scary shit. It is. It really is. So, So who's your story today? Yeah, sorry. I need to get back into serious mode. So, this time, I'm not doing a murder for once. I feel like that's all. No, I've done. You've done a little bit. Here and there. Yeah, but mostly we pretty murder. much stuck to both of us. Pretty much stuck to murder. So this time, this is about a missing persons case. Ooh. So tell me, have you ever heard of the case of Bryce Las Pisa before? I've heard some. I haven't heard a whole lot, but I've heard a little bit. Well, as I gave away in the title, it's a missing persons case. So, but his case is very interesting. I know as I've been doing my research, or even the first time I heard the story, I really was scratching my head and thinking, what? How? What? You know, there has a lot of twists and turns in this case. It's not a cut and dry, something happened and they went missing. Does that make sense? Yeah. On April 30th of 1994, in Springfield, Illinois, Bryce was born to his parents of Karen and Michael Lespisa. Bryce was a Taurus. Do you know anything about Tauruses? Tourists? Tourists. Oh, Taurus. A zodiac sign. <laughs> yeah, do you know anything about tourists either? <laughs> uh, well, I know they're strong-headed, bull-headed. That's... How do you know that? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> we love you, Tina. <laughs> he was a Taurus instead of a tourist. Yeah. <laughs> We from the South. (laughs) We are from the South. (laughs) He was an only child to his parents, Karen and Michael. So by the time Bryce was about to graduate high school, which is in 2012, his parents were able to retire early. Due to the research that I've done, apparently his parents had him later in life. So So they were, okay, they were already pretty established with their finances. Yes. So they were able to retire early and they moved. nice. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Especially... In this day and age. I was very jealous. Yeah, because this happened in 2012, so it wasn't that far away. No. That was one of the uh, housing market crashes, wasn't it? Uh, That was a little bit before that, wasn't it? Still not a good time. (laughs) Well, regardless, they moved to a completely different state. So the Las Pisas were originally from Illinois. And they moved to Laguna Niguel, California. So, So not only did they retire early, they went all the way out to Cali? Yeah, they went from Illinois to California. Damn. And this is, of course, right after Bryce graduated from high school in 2012. Bryce was known to be very close to his family. His friends who knew him back in high school, they talked a lot about him being a people person. Very social butterfly vibe is what I got from him. And again, like I said, he was very close to his family, but mainly his mom, Karen. In August of 2013, Bryce returned back to his school, which is known as Sierra College, which is a technical community college. To begin his sophomore year that fall semester. Where was that at? In Rockland, California. And how far was that from Laguna? Laguna Niguel. Laguna Niguel. Yeah, I like the how, yeah. Uh, seven hours away. Oh, that's a little distance. You would think that him moving from Illinois to California immediately, that, you know, he may want to stay around his family, but I don't know. But then again, as some, I know you did. 
You yeah. left, you know, you was like, peace the fuck out of yeah. here. <laughs> but you didn't go to another state after, you know, you still not went right to, after. you stayed in. It took a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know, never mind. He stayed in the same state, but he was seven hours away. Uh, you California's were like, a long state. <laughs> true, true. I mean, I, even whenever I lived in Ohio, I was about six and a half hours away from you. Yeah, you were. So, I mean, it's still a good ways. Yeah. Considering kind of with the distance that was between us and just in California, it was just that distance. But yeah, so I mean, it is still a good distance. But like I said, he was starting his sophomore semester and it was in the fall. He was 19 at the time and studying industrial and graphic design. Again, That's interesting. Again, going back to kind of his friends in high school, you know, talked about him enjoying different forms of art, such as, you know, painting, drawing. He also enjoyed, you know, like different forms of music as a ex- way of expressing art. I can understand that. And so that would explain kind of why he got into the industrial and graphic design. That's pretty cool, though. And I thought the same thing. I was like, that's, I've always thought that graphic design sounds like a cool thing to it major does. in. On the 26th of August in 2013, his mother, Karen, received a phone call from Bryce. And she reported talking to him. And he just reported about having such a great day. It was his very first day of school for the fall semester. He had talked about starting his new classes, how excited he was. And Karen thought that he was off to a great start to college. However, Bryce's roommate, who he had formed a friendship with, so I'm assuming this may be like a roommate from freshman year. I don't know. But regardless, they were friends. Sean and Bryce's girlfriend at the time, her name is Kim, they say something different. They saw something completely different. They report things completely different than what Bryce's parents say. To back up kind of what Karen was saying regarding why she thought that Bryce was okay, He stayed the entire summer break with them and he went to school two weeks early. And so he started hanging out, getting acclimated back at school. So it seemed like he was happy to go back. Yes. He was excited to start his sophomore semester. And so he was, I guess, kids who go off to college, you know, my college was literally two minutes away. I don't know. Mine was only about six or seven. (laughs) (laughs) So he was seemed really excited. But Karen and Michael both still to this day, say that they have no concerns regarding what happened to him, you know, regarding his odd behaviors. He was normal to them, you know, normal. Yeah. However, Sean, the roommate, he had noticed that there was beginning to have some odd behaviors because he and Bryce had talked about doing like an all night gaming type thing where they stayed up playing different video games all night. I've done that. That's fun, actually. (laughs) Well, that's what they were doing. (laughs) And Sean reports that he was beginning to get worried because he noticed that Bryce was starting to get tired. And Bryce has said, hey, hold on. I got something to help me with this. He was taking Vyvanse Recreational. Oh, that's like Adderall. It's yes. Like very, very similar. Yes, they're in the same family. But he was taking that as a way to give him like an energetic boost to help him stay up all night to play the video game. Oh, he fell into the college trap. But not only was he doing that. He was drinking excessive amount of liquor. Ooh, that's not good to mix. Exactly. But for those of you who are not familiar with what Vyvanse is, it is a medication known to treat disorders such as ADHD, but it has qualities if you take it unprescribed or, you know... Recreationally. Yes, I can't say that word. Recreationally. Or mix it with alcohol. It can give you side effects of taking methamphetamine. So like an upper. Yes. Speed. Which is, you know, Bryce's intention of taking it that night. So Was he to could, stay up. So he could stay up and play the video games with Sean. Ooh. 
I never fell into that trap in college, thankfully. I didn't either. A lot of people do take it throughout college, especially during like exam time and stuff, to stay up and study. Mm -hmm. But if you are listening to this and you're thinking about doing that, you do not retain the information as well. You really don't. It isn't. It's not going to help you. Because I was going to say that I didn't, but I lied. It's kind of, but it's different. I didn't intentionally do it. <laughs> um, you know, with the diet fad where you could take like, oh yeah, the yeah. dieting pills or whatever, and they were prescribed from your PCP. Mm-hmm. I fell for that because obviously it's not front page news. I'm not a small person, right? So I was like, okay, you know, I'm starting college. I'm going to try this diet thing. No, ma'am. I was like, you know, um, I think of, I think it's Donald Duck that is taking these like toothpick things and putting them in his eyeballs and it's like trying to stretch them and they pop because his eyes are all red. That was me because I never slept. (laughs) Never slept. I got so bored like staying up and just watching the bullshit ads, you know? Yeah. Um, And so that's what I think about. So I unintentionally did that. But like I said, I was starting college. I don't, I can't tell you what happened. I don't remember nothing. It's it's not a good it's not a good way to go about. No, it's not good for anything. So don't do it unless you absolutely need to take it because you have ADHD. It's prescribed. As prescribed, yes, and take it as prescribed regardless. Due to the excessive use of Vyvanse and using it recreationally mixed with the alcohol, Sean became, as any person should, very concerned for his friend. And as I said, you know, he and Bryce have been friends for a little bit. And so Sean decided to call Bryce's mom, Karen, and say, hey, Karen, I need to tell you something about Bryce. I'm highly concerned about him. And Sean goes in to tell him about his concerns about what's going on regarding him using Vyvanse and drinking excessive amounts of alcohol. And not only during this time was he doing that, his longtime girlfriend, as I had mentioned, at least, you know, I, to my knowledge, they had gotten together shortly after he moved to that area. So they'd been together about a year at least. So, yeah, at least a year. He texted Kim and informed her that she was better off without him, apparently. And when Kim tried to respond back and was like, are you breaking up with me? He said, yeah. And so this is, again, something very Just odd. out of the blue. Yes, completely out of the blue. No fight or anything? No. He just texted her out of the blue and was like, you know, I think you're better without me. And just decided to break up with her. Sounds suicidal. We will get to that, actually, in a little bit. Because I instantly thought the same thing. Due to this abnormal behavior that Bryce was showing, Sean and Kim were kind of, well, not really kind of, they were concerned. Oh, yeah, if he's reaching out to his parents. I'd I'd say that's a very concerned friend. And I thought the same thing because if it were you and I, I could only imagine me calling your mom and saying, so I need to tell you something. I mean, the, the only time I've really called your mom about you was to see if you were okay. Whenever I had, was it when I had a When you had your surgery. Yeah. That's the only time. I mean, I would call her if I was concerned about your actions, but it, it would take a lot. So I'm sure they were very legitimately worried. And I think, too, it kind of took them to that point to get there because at first they were probably thinking, ah, you know, maybe it's just, you know, him adapting to college life or something. Yeah. I don't know. But as things continued... He got significantly worse. And they were like, this This isn't just a little Normal problem. Problem. Yes. Like, this is becoming an actual issue. Yes, an actual addiction. And he's struggling hard with it. As I said, Bryce was known to be fun, loving, caring, you know, enjoyed having all of his friends and family. And now all of a sudden he has this change in behavior and he doesn't want anybody around him. Yeah, that still sounds suicidal. I agree. 
because it's, which, you know, as you say, you instantly thought about it being suicidal. Sean and Kim, to my knowledge, never really straight up said that to Karen, but they just kept trying to hint that, you know, he was discovered to be abusing drugs and alcohol. That's just not right. Something's not right with him. And his close relationships that he had, you know, he was beginning to cut them off and end them, which, you know, like I said, in a little bit, we'll get more into detail with that too. Later on into that day, Kim received another phone call, and this time it was from Bryce. You know, it was the same day that Sean had called him. So later on that day, um, like I said, Bryce calls Karen, except this time he wasn't at the apartment with Sean. This time he was at Kim's apartment, which is approximately 90 miles north of Rockland, California. So she was a good distance away. That's an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. And I thought that Kim went to college with Bryce and Sean, but maybe she went during the first semester. Maybe. Maybe she could transfer or something. I don't know. I didn't really look into it, but... You know, whenever I started looking at that and putting the pieces the, to that together, I was like, 90 miles, damn. That's a ways. That's a little ways. And that's just one way. But Bryce was talking to Karen, and he was talking about Kim, which at this time, you know, his girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, I don't know. Well, he just broke up with her. Exactly. She... What uh, was he even doing there if he broke up with her? I don't know. Which, Kim ends up taking the phone away from Bryce as he's talking to Karen. And she says, I too am concerned for Bryce. I'm so concerned for him, I've taken his keys away. And Karen goes, well, can I just talk to my son real quick so I can try to figure out what the hell is going on? Because I'm trying to figure out why he drove 90 miles from his apartment where he was just at, supposedly, according to Sean, to Kim's if they just broke up. Because remember, Sean told him that Bryce broke up with Kim. So Karen asks him to return the phone, and she does so. So once Bryce has the phone again, he decides to talk to Karen, and also his father Michael was on the phone at the same time with Karen, listening in on the conversation. Bryce goes to inform them that he did, in fact, just break up with Kim, and he said that he just wanted to go home, and that he felt that Kim was overreacting, and that she was upset, and that she just wouldn't give his keys back. His parents begin to question Bryce and say, are you sure that you're okay? I'm just checking on you because, you know, we just got a phone call from Sean. Yeah, there's two people now. Yes, and Sean said that you're not doing so good, and now Kim is telling us the same thing, and she took your keys. Like, are you sure you're okay? And he replies, yeah, I'm okay. That Apparently, that's all he kept saying was, yes, I'm okay. I just want to go home. But he wouldn't give any information. Not, yes, no, would not give no details. To me, I would it as very dismissive. Like, he's just saying this to get them off the phone. Does yeah, that make sense? Yeah. Kind of like, just convince her to give me my damn keys back so I can leave here. Like, I'm so tired of just, like, you know, really frustrated. I just want to be alone. Yes, I just want to be alone. Again, going with what you said about... Mm-hmm. Seems suicidal. And Karen, again, to continue to talk to Bryce, and she says that she's beginning to worry about him. Karen was so concerned, in fact, that she told Bryce, hey, I'm going to buy a plane ticket, and I'm going to get to Rockland in the morning. Well, so she seems pretty damn concerned at this point. So Bryce responds to Karen and he says, no, mom, you don't need to make an air reservation because there's something I really need to talk to you about. He, Bryce goes on to hint that there's something important that he needs to tell her, but it was just a lot going on at that moment and he didn't feel that it was appropriate to talk to her at that time. And Karen was unaware of what Bryce was exactly referring to at that time. But, you know, she agreed that, okay, you know, you seem to have something going on that's causing you to get upset, but it's not making you upset enough to where you're incoherent. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, he seemed fine. Now it just seems like something's bothering him, but I don't think they see the full extent. Yes. But they're not there with him. They're only seeing what he's portraying over the phone. Yes. So, I mean, it's not their fault. 
And so Karen asks one more time, are you sure you're okay? And Bryce says again, yes, I'm okay. I'm fine. I just want to leave and go home. So Bryce's parents then ask to talk to Kim again for a minute. And they tell her to return his keys back. And they believe that Bryce is fine and well enough to drive back home. Kim returns the keys back to Bryce. And this is about 11.30 p.m. that night. Around 11.30 p.m. that night, he starts to head in the direction towards his apartment. Bryce's parents reported following that phone conversation that they had with him, um, that they began to talk amongst themselves and they did in fact say that they were concerned about him, but it was kind of odd because again, you know, going back to him staying with them over the summer, he did not do anything. He didn't act abnormal. He was still the happy-go-lucky, you know, loving, kind, family-related, you know, evolved son that they had. So to them, Bryce's behavior was not abnormal at all. Around 1 o'clock a.m., somewhat the following morning, Bryce called him again. And at this time, Karen assumes that Bryce is back home because, let's see, he left around 11.30. Mm-hmm. And so it's 1 o'clock. So it's about the he time. He should be home. He again. should be home by then, right? So Karen assumes that he made it home okay, that he's fine. And he's just calling to check in and say, hey, I made it. You know, good night. I'll talk to you later or talk to you more in the morning. And she told him that after he's had some sleep again to, you know, fill her in on kind of what it was that he needed to say that he didn't feel it was appropriate to say at the time. But Bryce, in fact, was not at home as Karen had assumed. Um, cell phone tower records around that time had pinged his phone to be approximately an hour away from his apartment. Damn. Bryce was nowhere near his apartment. In fact, he actually had passed his apartment or like the direction to get to his po- his apartment. Like I said, he was actually in the middle of nowhere. He was heading in the opposite direction of his college. He's passed everything. It was heading south towards the Tehachapi Mountains. He's completely passed by everything that he needs to actually be at, you know, in terms of his apartment, past his college. He's in the middle of fucking nowhere. And it's one o'clock in the morning. What are you doing? Odd. So following that conversation that Karen and Bryce had at one o'clock, that morning, remember, Karen said, go get some sleep, talk to me in the morning, because she assumed that he was just calling to check in, and she thought that he was home. Later on that morning, at around 11 o'clock, the Las Pistas received a voicemail from their insurance company, which was State Farm, stating that their Toyota Highlander had needed roadside assistance. The car he was driving. And the, uh, yes, that was the car that he was driving. Um, his insurance was through his parents, and so... Everything that he has linked to him is through his parents. I can't say a lot. I know my mom and my me, mom and poppy took care of me for a long time. Well, whenever I was in college, same thing with my Actually, my mom I think did. my car insurance is still under my mom. Really? Yeah. 32 years old. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know forever your phone was through me, mom and poppy too. Yeah, until about two years ago. I just started paying for my own phone a couple months ago. <laughs> <laughs> so we're in no room to say anything. No. But I will say that the Lost Pieces were very smart with this because they went, you know, as we'll talk in a minute, they go on to use these things that they have connected through him to kind of track and check in and see kind of where he's at or what Meemaw the hell's going on. me. Meemaw could always track me somehow or another. Which I will say, listening to Crime Junkie, they had made a valid point that I never really even thought of was they had created a, if I go missing folder and it has like stuff related to it in terms of talking about passwords to all the things like your bank account or, you Hmm. know, if you have like a credit card or, you know, certain things like that, like things that only you can get or your Apple ID. She was talking about how she has all that 
And she has like one designated person that only knows where it's at and it stays in this designated spot. I'm like, that's That's smart. You know, Mimo had a uh, password file and it actually ended up helping us out after they passed away. Really? I didn't think about that. Karen immediately tries to call Bryce and of course he doesn't respond. What was the roadside assistance that he needed? He needed gas. Oh, so it wasn't like he ran off the road or blew a tire or anything? No, he needed gas. When Bryce didn't answer, she decided to call Sean just to try to see what's going on. She asked him, did Bryce by any means be there? You know, was he asleep? Was he not answering his phone? And Sean was unaware where he was. He's like, he's not here. And this made the Lost Pieces even more anxious because they're like, okay, so our his car needed roadside assistance. He's pinged originally to be kind of in the middle of nowhere in the opposite direction. And he didn't go home. And he didn't go home. And so where the hell is he? Since he also had the car insurance through his parents, his parents also were paying for his credit card. So they could really locate him. Yes. So they used that credit card login information to get into the account to see if there were any charges on their credit card. They were in luck and found out that there was a recent charge at a place in Button Willow, California. That sounds like it's in the sticks. It is. <laughs> it is very small and... From what I've heard, kind of somewhat researched, it literally only has like a truck stop and a um, car repair slash gas station place question. It's probably got a Dollar General. (laughs) (laughs) Modern day, probably now. Yes, it probably does. (laughs) Or Dollar General Market Mart. whatever. I don't know. They pop up everywhere. (laughs) And the particular truck stop that I had mentioned was where his credit card charge was from. The Las Pisas then began to look into the distance between Butt and Willow from where they were located in Orange County and began to think, well, maybe he was on his way to us before it got dark. And so something happened, you know, since he called Rosada Census, and so he decided to stop. They began to kind of look for a phone number to try to call, you know, regarding like the information of the truck stop. And the credit card was charged for a place called Castro Tire and Truck. As I said, it's like a truck stop slash repair slash gas Everything station. all at once. All, yeah. Yes. So Michael, Bryce's dad, called the store and was able to talk to a man named Christian. Christian informs him that, in fact, actually a few hours ago, around 9 o'clock that morning, he had gotten the notification from their insurance company saying that Bryce needed help. He was dispatched towards the area to where Bryce was at. He found him, and it turned out that Bryce had ran out of gas. So Christian gave him enough gas to where he would be able to follow him to get to the gas station to where he was at. So Bryce was like, okay, thanks, you know, and he went on and he followed Christian to this gas station. Bryce's parents began to talk to Christian more and kind of explain to them why they were calling him. And they said, you know, we... Looked up this credit card information because our son is missing and we're just really concerned about where he was going and do you have any idea of what direction he may have gone? What what has happened to him? Can you help us? So Christian told Michael and Karen, give me about 15 minutes or so and then I'll try to search the parking lot and see if maybe I can find him at the truck stop where he was at. So Christian does as he says. He goes out, and lo and behold, that's where Bryce is. He's still in the original Couple spot. hours later? Three hours. Three hours later? Three hours. Sounds like he had a mental break. There's so many theories with the story, which is why I wanted to talk about it. It's it's odd. And because it kind of makes you... And that's why I said there's a lot of times I scratch my head thinking, what the fuck? Like, this two and two don't equal four here. 
Yeah, <laughs> I'll get into more of that in a minute. But Christian calls Karen back and he says, so um, Bryce is actually here in front of me. He's in the same spot where I left him. He didn't leave, actually. He didn't go anywhere. Would you like to talk to him? Karen says, of course I want to talk to my son because I'm trying to figure out what happened to yeah, him and what's going on. She tried calling and he won't answer. And yes, he, and she tried to call and he wouldn't answer. So Christian hands over the phone to Bryce and she says, are you okay? What's going on? And he doesn't answer, of course. And then she goes, Bryce, what are you doing? And he says, nothing. Like, you don't answer your mom at all through any of this. Sounds like a damn mental break. And then you just all of a sudden just nothing. Like, and I'm saying that there's something that he needs to talk to him about, but he's not talking to him about it. Like, and now there's nothing to talk about. That's fucking weird. The, exactly. Karen goes on to tell Bryce, look, you're like three hours away from us. Why don't you get on the freeway and just head to us? Just come home. Yes, just come home. If something's bothering you, you literally said that you, there was something you needed to talk to us about. You're only three hours away from us. You're halfway to, home already. Compared to the seven hours. Yeah. Come home. So Bryce says, all right, and Christian takes the phone back and tells Karen that he's going to make sure that Bryce fills up his tank and that he leaves the rest stop and heads on his way towards the freeway where he needs to go. This took place around noon, so like 12, 1 o'clock-ish. Bryce's parents began to assume that since he was only three hours away that he would get there at maybe around 3 o'clock. So 3 o'clock comes around, it goes, 3.30 comes around, Karen decides to call Bryce and is like, are you okay? Are you good? What's going on? You should have been here already. You're literally only three hours away. It's 3.30. What, what what's the going fuck? On? She wanted to see if maybe he was stuck in Labor Day traffic because that was going on at the time. Mm-hmm. But Bryce didn't answer his phone this time again. And Karen attempts to call him again. Again, doesn't answer. So she leaves a voicemail. Karen and Michael are now becoming worried as to what is going on because it is now becoming nighttime and still there's no response from Bryce and he's still not there. He literally only had three hours left. It is nighttime. What the hell? Yeah, that seems a little sketchy. I'd be worried. His parents begin to become unsure of what to do, so they decided to file a missing persons report in Orange County. And the Orange County police accepted the missing persons report and they contacted AT&T for assistance on trying to figure out, maybe trying to locate Bryce. Yeah, they could triangulate his phone. And that's what they did. They did what's called an emergency ping. And from the cell phone tower that was closest to where Bryce was located at, said that he was still in Buttonwillow, California. Still in the same damn spot. So did he move from the rest stop? Kind of, sort of. Orange County police contact the police in Buttonwillow and say, hey, we have a missing persons report and we did a cell phone ping and it popped up in your area. Would you mind going and trying to check around this, you know, area to see if you see this kid? So the police do and they find Bryce literally eight miles away from the exit to get back onto the freeway. So he moved a little bit. He didn't really but move not at that all. Far. The police in Buttonwillow question Bryce and ask him what's going on. Bryce responds that nothing is wrong with him and that he's just blowing off steam until he has to return home. The police administer a full sobriety test on Bryce and he passes. There's something so wrong with him. So he's obviously well enough to know what's going on. Yes. you would. I assume. mean, if he can pass a sobriety test, he's not incoherent. Yes. The police also search his car and find nothing. There's absolutely nothing in the car. Nothing on him. Nothing in the car. He passes a sobriety test. 
So, as you said, he's all around good, right? <laughs> you would just, I mean, from what they see, yeah. During this time, Bryce was reported to be talking to the police, and he kept telling them, again, everything is fine. He's just wanting to blow off some steam before having to drive again to go to see his parents. So, to me, whenever I think this, or look at this, I wonder, what do you mean? Like, you literally had told your mom, hey, there's some stuff that's going on that I need to talk to you about. He won't even answer her calls. And now he's not going to answer her phone calls. He's being reluctant to go to them. And then he's telling the police that he just wants to blow off some steam before he has to see them. It's kind of like, what is making you... It seems fucking weird. Right. And I'm kind of like, what makes you angry or anxious? Or what are you blowing off steam for? To make you so reluctant to go home. The police ask Bryce if he would mind calling his mom. And they tell him, you know, dude, your mom's really worried about you. You really need to call her. Because she's filed a missing persons report. Hence why we're here. So... Can you at least just talk to her to let her know that you're alive and well and that you're okay? Bryce was so reluctant, in fact, to, that the police had to literally dial his mom's phone number for him. What the And fuck? put the phone up to his head. Before Bryce even talks to his family on the phone, the police decide to talk to Karen first to just inform her that he is, in fact, okay, that, that there's nothing wrong with him, and that he's just sitting here. Karen asks to speak to Bryce, and Karen's given the phone, and Karen goes to ask Bryce, she says, what are you doing? Bryce replies, I'm just putting my stuff back in the car. What the fuck? <laughs> like, again. You ain't answering your mama's call, but what the fuck? And how literally he took that, you know, whenever she said, what are you doing? He's just like, I'm just putting my stuff back in the car. Because, you know, the police had just searched yeah. his car. Karen was basically kind of like, that's not what I meant, but okay. You know, yeah. I'm really concerned about you. What's going on? He was very dismissive. The police then informed Karen that Bryce was given an all-clear to drive and that he was set to head back home towards Karen and Michael. Karen then decided to call Christian again to inform him that Bryce was still, in fact, in Button Willow, but he was fine, that he was okay, and that everything was good and that, you know, he was making his way back towards them to take the three-hour drive. Fifteen minutes later, the phone rings again. This time it's from Christian. He informs Bryce's parents that he drove out to where he had last seen Bryce. And, surprise, surprise, Bryce is still there. This dude seems like a real good Samaritan. Christian? Yeah. Yes. Yes, he's like, you know, let me go check on him, make sure he... It's hard to find people like that. Yes, I agree. I'm like that. That's why Tina thinks I'm going to end up getting killed one day. Yeah. Yes, (laughs) you you really are. You would be Christian in this story. You really were. You really would. Oh, God. (laughs) So Christian goes on to tell Karen that he's going to try to follow Bryce and kind of coax him to the freeway to make sure that he made it safely onto the freeway and that he's, he's actually going. That he's actually going. And Karen seems to be he needs a kick in the ass to keep going. Yes. And Karen, you know, was like, yes, please. Can you do that? So Christian obliges and he does so. And he follows him for a good 10 miles onto the freeway. And whenever Christian goes to leave, he calls Karen again and informs him that to his knowledge, Bryce looks to be safe and that he's heading in the direction that he needs to go. So Christian is going to head back to the shop that he wishes the best for Bryce and, you know, so on and so forth. During this time that Bryce is heading back to his parents' home, they are attempting to call him again to kind of ask him to describe landmarks of what he's seeing so they can try to keep up of an idea of, where, where, he's of where he's at. Yeah, because I guess they would kind of know that area. Yes. I mean, they're coming up close to where they live. Yes. And they've probably made the trip a few times. 
But this is also beginning to become like late night, like early, early ass crack of dawn in the morning. When has he had sleep through this? I don't know, honestly. But he goes on to tell his parents that he couldn't see any landmarks or he couldn't identify anything because it was too dark. Bryce goes on to tell his parents that he has his GPS on and the GPS says that he should be home around 3.25 a.m. So Bryce continues to occasionally check in with his parents and they'll still say, hey, how's progress going along? Can you see anything now? Every single time he keeps saying it's too dark and I can't see anything. At 2.09 a.m., Bryce calls his mom back and says, look, it's 2 o'clock in the morning and I'm very tired and I'm thinking about pulling over and taking a nap. I don't think he slept through all this time. I honestly don't think that he did either. And neither did his parents because Karen agrees and says, yeah, you know, that's a good idea. Just pull over, make sure you're you're safe, get a couple hours of sleep, call me in the morning whenever you're on your way here. At 8 o'clock that morning, the Las Pisas wake up to hearing the doorbell ring. They think, you know, to themselves, oh, you know. He's finally home. He's home, home, finally. He just didn't call when he woke up. Yes. But unfortunately, it was not Bryce. It was the California Highway Patrol. Oh, fuck. And the officer who was at the door asked the Lost Pieces, hey, do you happen to own a 2003 Toyota Highlander by chance? The Lost Pieces respond with, yeah, that's our son Bryce's car. The patrol officer informs them that the car was found in the early hours of that morning. The car was found abandoned on the access road leading to the Castaic Lake State Recreation Area. Try saying that five times fast. I don't think I could say it once. <laughs> this lake happened to be two hours away from them. So during this entire time... He only traveled an hour? He only drove an hour. What the fuck? And basically the entire time that he was on the phone with them and saying that, you know, the GPS says I'll be there by like three o'clock. And then, you know, he calls around two and says that he's tired. He's actually at this park the entire time. It seriously sounds like a snap, but he passed all the sobriety tests and stuff. Yes. Bryce's car was actually found on its side. It was crashed at the bottom of a 25 foot embankment leading to the lake. Well, that sounds like suicide again. Uh, Yes. The back window of the car looked like it had been broken from the inside, so it looked like somebody had was inside and kicked, kicked it, it out. And kicked it out. Inside the car was Bryce's laptop, cell phone, duffel bag, and his wallet was laying outside of the car. I don't know where, but it was laying somewhere outside of the car. So basically everything he owns or is of value to him is associated in, in or around this car. Despite having crashed a car from a 25-foot embankment, there was absolutely no blood around the car or in the car. That's insane. Nowhere. So this means that, to lack of our, you know, better knowledge here, he essentially is okay. Because there's no it blood. It seems like he kicked out the back glass and got out. Yes. Yes. And so there's no blood leading a trail, so nobody knows really what direction he went in. And again, like I said, he seems to be safe and sound, despite the possibility of having internal injuries, of course, but oh, yeah. we don't know that. The police determined that sometime around dawn, Bryce drove off Lake Hughes Road and went into the service area, and he drove past a cell phone tower that is up on the hill near where he drove off to go into the embankment. They had also said that according to the car tracks that were around the hill, that he was accelerating as he was plummeting down the 25-foot embankment. Damn. So basically, he was doing this on purpose to kind of back up your suicide. Yeah, you know, sounds suspicion. very suicidal. Which 
This led the police to thinking that maybe he was attempting to take his own life. After all the odd actions that his friends were describing, and now this evidence that is in front of them, they were kind of like, okay, this is what we're thinking here. They were thinking that maybe the time that Bryce was taking regarding when he was sitting at the truck stop or um, whenever he was sitting in the park before he went off the embankment, that maybe he was trying to contemplate how to exactly to take his life since the hill that he went off of was essentially where he was parked at prior to going down. Does that make sense? Someone seriously contemplating suicide, they will sit there and think about it for a little bit. Which honestly, he said to his mom again, you know, to keep bringing this up like a broken record, but... There's something I need to talk to you about. So maybe what if, you know, which we'll get into some hypotheticals here in a little bit, but what if that's what he needed to tell his mom was, hey, I'm severely depressed. I'm thinking about taking my life. It's possible. And then he made the decision, you know, fuck it, I'm going to do it. On the way. On the way. It's possible. That's really sad. I mean, especially as close as they were. But like I said, we have some hypotheticals here later on. The police then decide to go back and talk to Sean, his roommate, and his ex-girlfriend Kim and kind of see what their recent interactions were with Bryce. Kim and Sean both reported that Bryce's behaviors had dramatically changed. Also, he began to excessively drink, which is new for him. They informed the police that he was taking the Vyvanse and mixing it with the hard liquor. And Kim informed the police about the time where Bryce had showed up at her apartment, took his keys because she didn't feel that he was safe enough to drive But his parents said otherwise and said that he was good to go. Sean also talked about how he had reported to Bryce's parents about his concerns. But there was one thing that Sean did not tell Bryce's parents. It turns out that a few days prior to Bryce disappearing, he had given away some of his prized possessions. Oh, shit. He, which again brings up the theory that you're talking about. That's a very common sign for suicide. Giving away prized possessions. And this was an odd trait for Bryce. It was unlike him. And Sean had stated that Bryce had given him an Xbox. Which obviously he loved if he was going to be gaming all night. Yes. And that he had also given him a cherished pair of diamond earrings that his mother had passed along as a family heirloom. So some expensive, very personal things. The police stated that the combination of Vyvanse mixed with the copious amounts of alcohol may have led to a psychotic episode resulting in the recent odd behaviors and or the suicide attempts. Psychosis is a top side effect for Vyvanse if it's not properly taken and or mixed with alcohol. Bryce's parents go to report that they were surprised about all these recent reports about him drinking excessively and how he's using recreational drugs such as Vyvanse because again while he was with them they never saw any of this. It didn't seem like anything he would do. The police were beginning to become concerned for Bryce's parents because they thought that maybe they were a little too involved in the case thinking that they were more or less not taking it serious as they should regarding his substance abuse. So Bryce's friends continued to kind of report that Bryce did in fact have issues of substance use and they began to you know reiterate what they had witnessed. This led the police to continue to adapt an idea that maybe, in fact, Bryce was suicidal and it was resulting from the excessive substance abuse and him giving his things away and that he was contemplating, again, you know, taking his life during the process of him driving. Police again tried to back that up by him purposely accelerating as he was going down the embankment. 
And they said that maybe since he survived the crash, kicked out the back glass of the car, that he may have walked into the lake that was nearby where the car was crashed at to try to finish what you started. That is insane. So that same day, the police decided to search the lake in hopes of maybe finding any sign of Bryce. A hundred deputies at that time were reported to assist in the search for Bryce. Some were on foot while others were on ATVs and some were in helicopters attempting to locate Bryce. The search continued that entire weekend. Divers also searched the lake and they spent the entire time around the lake. And again, nothing was found. Cadaver That that kind of throws me for a loop though because most people have heard of trying to commit suicide if they survive it they immediately regret it yes so it it speaks for a state of mind if that's what he tried to do this one again like i said scratch it makes you scratch your head and think it really does i saw it cadaver dogs were also assigned to the case they walked around the scene where everything was they had no luck with trying to locate a sign of bryce either Meanwhile, Bryce's parents were trying to help with advocating for his awareness of being missing, and they were filling out missing persons flyers and posting things on social media. Five days after Bryce's disappearance, a jogger had reported a brush fire and called 911, and it was within the same vicinity of where Bryce's car was abandoned. The police arrived at the scene and discovered that what in fact was on fire was a human body. Oh. Yes. (laughs) So the police instantly think, well, shit, maybe this is Bryce. Because it was literally right here near where his car was abandoned. A few days later, forensic testing concluded that the remains were, in fact, not Bryce. They were a man from L.A. who was recently murdered around that time. What the fuck? And as I had put in my notes, now police are beginning to question, what the fuck? Where did he go? They continued to search everything and continued to find nothing. Absolutely nothing. Is he a murderer i don't know i don't know i didn't i didn't think about that theory i mean that could cause a mental break and it could cause you to try to kill yourself because you have those feelings try to drown those feelings away i didn't think about that nobody and then there's a random guy murdered right in the same spot and i thought which this is a theory that i'll get into was that maybe he, but then again, it's like, well, where do you get this dead body from unless you do kill the person? Because it's suspected later on, now, like I said, we'll get into it, that he um, went on to basically live a whole new life. Yeah, I could see that too. And I'm like, so maybe he had the body there hoping that they would think that it was him, you know, as they did. It's possible. But it wasn't his, you know. It's possible. But it's kind of like, but where did the body come from unless he killed that person? Which goes back to your theory. But anyway... The police began to kind of brainstorm some more on their own, and they had mentioned that there was a camera on a tower near the access road that Bryce was originally on. And the camera is supposed to take pictures of license plates of every car that comes through the area. The camera actually did catch a picture of Bryce's car. It was entering the area around 2.15 a.m. that morning, which was six minutes after he had called his mom and said, Hey, I'm tired. I'm thinking what about pulling over on the road and taking a nap. He was already in this area during that time. And this is kind of where things start to get weird, even though it's already weird. It's already weird. It gets weirder. (laughs) At 4.29 a.m., Bryce's car is recording traveling up the same road in the same direction again. So there's like... So he had to have left. And that's what I was about to explain. 
So, in fact, there's actually a little off-road in that area that leads to where you can come out onto the main highway and you're able to be more or less hidden. It will also loop back around to where you can come back in. So, supposedly, that's what he was doing, was coming in, driving around, taking the off-road, circling back around, and coming back in. Hmm. Kind of going in circles. It's odd. Yes. Unless you were scoping out the land. Which I had put in my notes was, what was he doing during these two hours? Because when he was originally found, it was at 2.15 a.m. And then at again at 4.29 a.m., he was caught coming back up through it again. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of time. This was also the last time that Bryce was known to be spotted and be alive at this time. So that was at 4.29 a.m. Nine days later, after Bryce's disappearance... The police decided to involve bloodhounds. This was an attempt to, you know, find a scent, kind of trace him down, see if they could find him. Two separate bloodhounds tracked Bryce's scent from the car crash site through the park, leading into the back road that I had mentioned, and it led to another truck stop. So police were thinking, well, maybe this was kind of how he got away since it led to a truck stop and you could be completely undetected by anything yeah. because, you know, you're following this trail. So that's this is where the theory comes in of maybe he started a completely different life is he got out of the car after he crashed and walked through the park and took, you know, another off-road and went into this truck stop and maybe he hitched a ride with somebody uh, such as like an over-the-road trucker. Or maybe he happened to find somebody that he knew at the store. I don't know. Or talk somebody into giving a ride. Who knows? But that's the theory that, like I said, one of the theories that the police that has. That's crazy. It is. This allowed Bryce to, you know, again, like I said, just completely leave the park undetected by anybody. Not to have to take any main roads or anything if he were to do this. One of the detectives firmly does believe this. They said that they really think that Bryce is still alive to this day, and that's how he got away, was that he hitched a ride with somebody, and after he was able to do this successfully, that it led to him just living a whole new life off the grid or doing something. Why would he do that, though, if he was so close to his mom, his parents? And his parents said the same. His parents said what you say of there's no way. There's no way. He would have to contact them at some point when he snapped back into it to be like, hey, I'm okay and alive. Which we'll get to that in a minute too. The next point that I have on my notes actually talks about Bryce's parents' personal views on it. And they disagree with the cop, as I had mentioned. And they said that it's not like their son. It's very unlikely and uncertain that he would just poof, disappear off the face of the earth and not talk to us. So Bryce's parents has kept his passwords the same on both of these accounts just to occasionally check throughout the years of maybe something's changed. But unfortunately, there still is no trace of him and he's still missing to this day. A year following Bryce's disappearance, the Las Pisas decided to hire a private investigator named Denise. Denise decided to take this case on pro bono for the family. That's awfully nice. I, I thought so too. But she too believes that Bryce was attempting to come home to his family to kind of talk to his mom about whatever it was that he needed to talk about. But something happened to prevent him from coming home. Karen was quoted to say that either my son is not alive and his remains have not been found yet, or he is somewhere around us unaware of who he is. I can agree with her. And the private investigator and Karen agree with you. They think that maybe, possibly, after the crash, 
Bryce had a head injury, kind of inducing amnesia, maybe. I've, I've seen shit like that go down before. And he's unaware of who he is, so he just woke up and he just kind of like in he a daze no or idea. a fog, you know? Yeah. But when you do look at it, the car had to obviously like hit had you know like a nosedive if that makes sense and that would explain why he was able to come out so it's very possible he had a head injury i know a couple of years ago you know when i wrecked my car and i did something very similar to what bryce's yeah. car did i my car flipped front, front to back and i had a massive concussion mm-hmm. and so it's very possible i don't know it, it doesn't take a lot to injure your brain out of all the suspected theories i go with the head injury yeah. Just personal opinion. I want to know what happened, though. Why did he get like this? Was he suicidal? Did he want to start a new life? Either one. Why? Well, here's another one. It's hypothesized that maybe Bryce had a personality disorder that was developing. Because he was 19, and these symptoms begin to show around the ages of 18 to 25. Yeah, whenever your brain's starting to get more fully developed. And so since he was taking ADHD medication recreationally mixed with excessive alcohol, this may have kind of coaxed the disorder to become present a little more. I don't that know. Is, that is a possibility. But of course all this stuff is hypothetical. Nobody knows, unfortunately, which is why we're still talking about it to this day. I would really like to know where he is. So do I. I mean, I know a lot of people would, but Especially his family. That, yeah, I feel for you. That is baffling. Well, his pieces later on went on to hire a sonar specialist to go back to the lake where the car crash was and see if there was any possibility of finding Bryce's remains deep down in the lake. Yeah. The sonar specialist went into the deepest parts of the lake, even parts where the divers could not go, and there's absolutely nothing in there. That's so fucking weird. No sign of Bryce at all whatsoever. So regardless, he's not in the lake. The Las Pisas continue to say that something happened to their son, while detectives say that he just started a brand new life. I feel like they would probably know more than the detectives knowing his personality better. Yes, because this is their son. This makes it very difficult to kind of decide on what happened to Bryce. You know, and that comes down to the theories of, did he suffer a head injury? Was he attempted to commit suicide? Did he create a whole new life for himself? That's... I don't even know how to feel about it. I think that the car crash happened and he had a head injury. But to lead up to all the events prior to that, it's that's the part I don't know. I think following the car crash, the head injury happened. But I don't know what happened for him to want to give. I okay, maybe I maybe he was trying. He was wanting to commit suicide. That's why he gave his belongings away, and that's why he was excessively drinking and taking recreational drugs, hoping that maybe some type of side effect would happen and he would die from it, like an overdose, maybe? Yeah. And so then he started to break up with his girlfriend, gave Sean his belongings, and then, you know, told his mom, hey, there's something I need to talk to you about, and that's what he talked about on the way there. He started thinking more. I don't know about you, but when I'm in the car, I'm constantly thinking about random shit. But what, what was so bad, he couldn't just tell her. If, I don't he, know. if it was suicide, why would you worry her, someone you love so much, and just say nothing? I mean... Why would you not send that final text before you hit that accelerator? He could have been so far depressed that it didn't matter anymore. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, everyone acts different in different 
depressions. So on that note, I'm going to ask our listeners to kind of think about what they think. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to know what y'all think, because I don't know what to think exactly on that. Do you guys think that he suffered a head injury? Do you think that he was attempting to, to commit suicide? Or do you think he created a whole new identity? Or, is there, or are you going to take the other idea the show came up with? Or is he a serial killer? Who knows? Okay. If he was a killer, and he killed someone in that area, he could have been like, hey, you know... I've got these feelings, these urges, I don't know how to handle it. Mm -hmm. And then he wanted to talk to his parents about it, but it's so embarrassing to talk about, he didn't want to do it. There's just a lot. I don't know. There's a lot. But for someone to end up murdered right there in that same spot, is kind of weird. I agree. But like you said, he could have been trying to stage his own body. If that's the case, I don't see his head injury being that severe. Because it shows a lot of cognitive thinking. Very true. But again, like I said, where did the body come from? I don't know. That's what I want to know. So all of Bryce's information is linked in the show notes. We're going to add that in there. Bryce's family also has a Facebook page for him to advocate. They have all sorts of details about from the time that he went missing to now. And if they happen to hear anything or maybe like get a lead or something suspecting them, they will add it to the Facebook page. The Facebook page is called Find Bryceless Pizza. Let's find Bryce, B-R-Y-C-E, Les Pisa, L-A-S-P-I-S-A. And I encourage you guys to go and check out the websites that I'm linking, as well as the podcasts that, I've, that I'm going to link to. They're, they are some good podcasts. They're very in-depth, uh, and I've listened to them a lot. They probably do a better job than what I do <laughs> with it. Well, they probably got a lot more experience than us. <laughs> True. <laughs> But I just encourage you guys to just do a simple Google search of him just to kind of look at him. He seems to be of what I would call like normal statue, you know, about like five, seven, six. I don't really know kind of exactly how tall he is, but he has bright red hair. So unless he's dyed his hair. I mean, it's hard that's to always him. possible. But if you get that picture around enough, if he is out there, he will be found. Eventually, Eventually, yes. he will be found. I mean, granted, Brian Laundry didn't work out like everyone was expecting, but they put his picture out and there were, I mean, granted, a lot of fake sightings, but people who look similar to him were getting it. There was a lot of activity. Yes. So as long as you keep activity alive, you'll keep his memory fresh. That way we can try to find him. Someone can find him. Somehow, good or bad. His parents still need an answer. Yes, they do. They really do. Because, again, they're scratching their heads thinking, what happened to my son? I can't imagine the torment they go through every day. No. I couldn't either. I couldn't. Not knowing a damn thing. I and feel for, it for them. To be as odd as it is and all the events that's led up to it. And to be so good that summer, right before. Yes. Like, literally. And two weeks into the school year, or kind of, it all began to fall apart. It was like within a month, basically. Mm-hmm. That's insane. So if you guys happen to do some Google searching, and if you know anything, maybe you talk to a friend, show him, show the, him, them, she, the picture, and they say that they know who he is. Um, like I said, the information will be linked in our show notes that has all the contact information of who to contact regarding, you know, his missing case. Please contact them, even if it's not 100% sure. Yes, anything will help. I mean, don't don't go throwing fake leads out on purpose, please. That's just fucked up. But 
if you see anyone that you really think could be him, say something. I mean, this has been, what, 10 years ago now? Mm -hmm. So he's had some ability to change. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, look real close at his eyes and his ears, you know, stuff like that. But if he's out there, he can be found. And I'll also post pictures of him on our social media and, you know, we'll link everything. But with that, that is the story of Bryceless Pizza. That's fucked up. It is. I don't really know what else to say. I mean, it's unsolved. There's nothing to say. That's it. I don't like the uncertainty that comes with it, but... No, but unfortunately, that's a part of life. So... True. (laughs) Let's let's help this family out and get his name out a little bit further. Yes. Do whatever you can, guys. Give it a look and let us know what you think. And I guess that's about it. Yeah, that's all I have. Alright, well then, until next time... Bye, guys. See ya. All research is done by Shelby Hudgens, Courtney Pylon, and Tina Collins. A special thanks to Tina Collins for managing us, and we are a lot to manage. All social media is linked in the description below. Be sure to follow us, and don't forget to leave a rating on wherever you get your podcasts. If you have an interesting topic that you'd like to hear on our podcast, please email it to allthingsmacabre.pod at gmail.com. That's M-A-C-A-B-R-E. Did this episode make you say, What the fuck?